Who cares about your team winning the Super Bowl when your team could win the offseason? My name is Danny Heifetz, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously. We cover quarterbacks, and there are a lot of good quarterbacks this year. And the teams at the top of the draft, Washington, New England, Chicago, big teams with big histories. Listen to the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, like Pula Six Storm Bangers, we are back. This is the Ringer Soccer Gambling Show. I'm Steve Scrubius. I'm joined by the great Paul Carr. Paul, not the result Milan wanted, but man, Pula Six comes on in what was supposed to be like a rest situation and, you know, just continues to prove he's one of their best attackers. It was an awesome showing from him, even though the team lost. And fun to see him come off the bench and do stuff. I think the note was he's come off the bench with a goal and an assist five times in the last, you know, so many years, and that's most in the top five leagues of anybody, which... You know, just speaks to his ability to impact the game. Uh, and yeah, it's great to see. I mean, obviously the result is not what they want, but you know, just selfishly, American perspective, it's all about us. Great game. It kind of doesn't matter because they, you know, they could have gone to second in the table, Milan, but I mean, Inter's like running away with the title. Right, they're I mean, not we've, just, we've discussed in multiple pods, like they're one of the certainly five, maybe three, maybe higher best teams in the world. Um, and Milan are kind of, you know, they're they're gonna, they're safely in the Champions League, likely for next year. I mean, in Italy, it's really just like that fourth spot between a, a couple of different teams that Juve and Milan will be in. But you know, they they rested Pulisic, they rested Leal, uh, I think they rested Giroud too, and they kind of took a chance and they had to bring some of those guys on. It just kind of shows you how important he is to the squad, which is fantastic, and we do love to see. Um, we may actually get to some more U.S. stuff here. We so we got kind of like a packed schedule today. Paul and I were talking this through beforehand. Uh, we got. You know, obviously the four Champions League games coming up. We want to talk about Bayern and Crisis and then kind of like rank some of our crisis clubs right now because there are a few clubs around Europe that are, that are major players, traditional big clubs, that are going through some weird times. We're going to talk about that. But we did want to talk about the U.S. striker position. So we'll try to get to that at the end of today's pod. If we don't get to it, then we'll get to it next week when we have that Champions League break. But, uh, Paul, I guess let's... Why don't we start here? Let's start with the Bayern stuff because, all right, man, now another... Another terrible showing. Uh, so I said, I famously said last week that I thought that Lazio were terrible. I still don't think Lazio are any good, but they did lose to Bayern in the Champions League 1-0 and what was one of the most lethargic performances I've seen yeah, from a Bayern team maybe ever. 
And now you've got all the Tuchel out stuff that's going on. Where do you sit here? Because they lost to a team I've really never even heard of, Bochum, which is, sure, 3-2 they lost. I mean, Harry Kane keeps scoring goals, which is the weird thing, but they're now eight points back of Leverkusen in the Bundesliga race. So where do you, where, where are you at in Bayern? Yeah, eight points back and plus, I think, plus 430 to win the title. Yeah. And Leverkusen's at minus 500. So that, to give you some perspective about it actually being a legit eight points, not one of these mirages of games played or whatever. Uh, it's kind of weird. So these three losses in a row, Leverkusen, Lazio, Bochum, like individually, none of them really bother me that much. Like you kind of got smoked by Leverkusen, which, you know, some of that was tactics. Maybe it's injuries and you want to, just they, chalk they barely even shot in that game, Paul. They like they weren't I even know. shooting. It was, it was weird. like Harry Kane was playing the midfield for like half of that game. Yeah, so I mean that's I feel like that's the worst loss of the three, definitely because you just got outclassed. Like Lazio, you said it was lethargic. It was a fairly even game. Could have gone either way. It's the Red first card. leg. That kind of happens. Whatever. Uh, Bochum, like they shot him twenty-seven to thirteen, so that double the shots, <laughs> double the expected goals. Uh, I kind of feel like that was just one of those games you get soccered, you know, and you'd like to think. You know, Byron can avoid those, but it just kind of happens because all Byron's underlying numbers this year, like they have the best expected goal difference in, of any team in the big five leagues. So everything looks good on the whole, but it looked a lot better, you know, a week and a half ago also. Uh, so I'm not too concerned on the field. It's really, I think a lot of it's just injuries. I mean, Davies is out and Coleman is out and Gnabry's not there. Uh, Mazrahi got hurt versus Bochum. Not sure about his status. They're probably not quite as deep as maybe they hoped they were or we thought they might be. Uh, you know, Musiala looked really bad, mm-hmm. especially against Lazio. Like, couldn't beat anybody, which is kind of what he's supposed to do, and I thought he would be able to do against them. So, not, I guess, at the same time, I'm not too concerned, but, you know, they're probably not going to win a trophy this year, which is pretty much a the huge Harry special. failure in <laughs> Munich. Yeah, I mean, that gets people fired, and there have been certainly rumors about Thomas Tuchel's job, status people don't look happy there you know I, don't, I mean he does kind of play that pragmatic you know kind of boring brand of soccer which you know Joe Sabrino gets killed for even though sometimes it does win trophies Tuchel has won a Champions League won it with Chelsea he's had success at a lot of other places but uh and, and as I said the weird thing is like Harry Kane is scoring a ton of goals for them he's got 25 right. goals he's he's winning the European golden boot right now you would think like in the offseason like what do they need oh they need a striker they have they need to replace Lewandowski they didn't replace him last year um, and that's kind of the, the biggest need. So you go, oh yeah, Bayern's going to kill it this year, and, and yeah, like they're just they're just kind of off the pace. Um, Upa Makano, by the way, I tweeted out uh, <laughs> your guy, my guy. I mean, I, I don't even dislike the guy, but every every time I watch Bayern, I tweeted this out, and this was after he got the red against Lazio, which was a you know a terrible challenge, and he was off. Um, he gets another red this weekend against Bochum, and it's back to back reds. Now he came in as a sub too because he was benched. But you're, to your point, they have so many injury issues that they had to play him. And it's just like, man, when it rains, it pours. I guess for this guy, who you know, what he did, he does start for France. Like he was in the World Cup final. Like it's not like he's a terrible player. But I, every time I watch him for Bayern, it's like, why is this guy playing? It's it's he's like a liability every time. So yeah, yeah you're probably right. It's probably a little bit of like you know, it's just one of those seasons. And then obviously Leverkusen is just lights out. I mean, what have they? They've lost what one game all season? They lost a game. I don't even know. But they're just absolutely, you know, murdering people yeah. left and right. And uh, so it may be just one of those seasons, Paul. Um, I don't I know. So. But, but their Champions League odds obvious, are taking a big hit. Yeah, there's not an obvious like quick fix. You know, say you want to fire two goals. Like, who are you going to bring in? Like Jose. Go back to people Hunt? are calling for Mourinho. Oh, gosh, that, actually, I'm kind of rooting for that just for the insanity of it all. I mean, you're going to go get Hansi Flick again. I don't know. Hey, like Klopp's not coming, and Klopp's not coming mid-season, of course. No, but of course yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm sure they'll go. I, 
don't talk to him in the offseason. Like, you're irresponsible if you're not talking to him. But he's not going to change. It sounds like right he won't now. take that job, though. It sounds like I don't he just think wants so. some time off. But, like, just if you're Byron, you have to yeah. call him or have your guy call his guy or whatever it is um, to do that. But, of course, again, not coming during the season. So, and I think you just kind of got to play this out with Tuchel. You know, he's got to wear it. You bring in, I mean, you hope you could get your guys healthy and can just get through this Champions League tie, you know, and you're only down one to Lazio coming home. So you really ought to get through. And then you hope you get some guys healthy and go from there and kind of reset over the next few weeks. I think, I think things are relatively okay, even though things are never okay when Bayern, when you lose a couple of games in a row and don't have a trophy coming. This is, this isn't even in my notes, but just, I just thought of this top of my head. Who says no? I guess maybe one of these might a little bit more than the other, but I kind of like it going one way. What if Chelsea called up Bayern right now and said, hey, let's swap managers? <laughs> like Chelsea, because I honestly think Ch- Tuchel was great at Chelsea. And the only reason he, he really left was because the ownership yeah. changed and they kind of have a little bit of a downturn when they bought a bunch of people. But Tuchel is like the kind of guy that Chelsea, I feel like, needs right now. And Pochettino plays like a little bit more of a, yeah. you know, a, a, an attractive yeah. style that Bayern does. I think Bayern probably say no, but I think Chelsea might say yes to that. We'll take him back. <sighs> I don't think Tuchel would say yes to it. Probably <laughs> just not. having yeah. gone through it. If you had, you know, been there at Chelsea and done that, and uh, I mean, I don't know, say that he failed, given that he won a, a Champions League title, but it didn't, he didn't fail. Well, no, least. definitely didn't fail. That's yeah, he, he didn't fail, just in, in in a beautiful way. But that's, that's what Chelsea managers do, right? They right. just they they burn hot and they flame out really fit, really quickly, yeah. and then they move on. I mean, Chelsea uh, famously fired Jose Mourinho. What was it like uh, the season after? Or they, I think they won the the. The league and St. Antonio Conte was gone pretty soon after too, so that's just what happens at that club. So, yeah, yeah, well, uh, well. speaking of Chelsea, all right. So this this yeah. this Bayern thing got me thinking. There are there's like a group of big, like historically big clubs in Europe that are kind of just in weird spots right now. Right. I don't want to say crisis. I don't want to say like they're down. I guess or they're yeah. they have some sort of issue or trouble, whether it's on the field or off the pitch. And I kind of want to go through them, and I have five, including Bayern. Yeah. And I want us to give our, our we're going to call it a panic meter, even though not all these clubs are panicking. Some of these clubs actually are in decent form right now. But overall, the big picture, they're just not where they are or they historically right. have been as a yeah. club. We've so, got like five of the dozen biggest clubs in, the, in Europe and basically the world who are not Champions League contenders, which is yeah. where all of them want to be. That's kind of the, the shorthand, I think, for how we kind of pick these five out. And it's also kind of we went through and we'll go through it again the odds for the champ to win the Champions League. It's also why it's so hard to predict that because there's it's not it's not as top heavy as it normally is. There's usually a yep. group of like five, six, seven clubs, these just massive clubs who, oh, those are going to be your Champions League winners. And this year it's like you know Arsenal's up there and they're you know they're not usually usually like up there in the Champions League to win it odds. So let's go through these clubs. Um, let's start with Bayern because we just talked about yep. them. We just talked everything we just talked about. One to ten, where's your panic meter at for them? And then we're going to say, by the way, this isn't just like right now. This is like maybe like the, the rest of the right. season and going into next year. Like, where are you at panic-wise for them? Yeah, it's One a to hybrid ten. of today and yeah, the next year-ish. Uh, so we're saying ten is the highest. Like Ten is... Ten, ten is, is sound all the alarms, yeah. bandit ship, bailout, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but like, like a three. I had the same number. Like not... not cons- it's something... There's also like a Bayern panic meter, which is like a, a subcategory. Like in a Bayern panic meter, it's probably like an eight. But that's just because they run hot and cold in a panic meter or whatever. But yeah, it's like a three overall. Yeah, I, I had a three as well. I think there's like there's a world in which they hire the right manager this summer and they win the trouble next year. Like that's right. that. I don't think they're yeah, as they're bad fine. as some of the other clubs that we'll get to. You know, I will say though, you know, they've won what eleven straight titles, and 
there's been some cracks like in the armor a little bit here as we've gone along. Obviously, the Nagelsmann thing was very strange. They end up firing him midseason, mm-hmm. bringing in Tuchel. Usually, they have things more buttoned up and they dominate the the Bundesliga as far as like transfers and poaching the best players off of other clubs. And you know, they went out and spent a ton of money on Harry Kane, which I mean isn't something that they typically do. That's something that shattered their transfer record and and you know is just not like Bayern. So there are some cracks there that do make me a little bit concerned because they've also yeah. lost some of their leadership. Khan has been out, uh, one of their club legends, just because of t- 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 the tumultuous situation that happened last season. So I, I don't think it's zero. I am right. a little concerned. But again, the league that they're in, I think, lends them to be like, they'll yeah. probably bounce back next year. They're still by far the biggest club in the league, which you can't say about any of these other clubs we're going to talk about. And they're still having a really good season. They're just trailing Bayern, Leverkus- Bayern Leverkusen that's having a like, generational once in a lifetime type of season and probably won't have their manager next year. You know, Xavi Alonso's mm-hmm. looking like, I don't know if it's Liverpool, it could be Bayern, who knows? But, you know, he probably won't stick around. So, yeah, not very concerned with the long term for Bayern either. Yeah, if he wins the league with Leverkusen, by the way, we haven't talked a ton about him. He has to leave, right? Like, you get, you leave at the top. What else are you going to do? I'm Champions League next year, but, you know, you're not going to make a deep run. I mean, you could, but you're not going to stick around for that, I mean. Because likely a lot of your players are getting poached, and we'll see about right. Florian Burtz, who's just an, an outstanding midfielder. Um, you know they've got they got great players all over the field, and they'll probably lose some of them. And they're just not going to. It's just it's not sustainable to continue to, to to build a dynasty against right. Bayern in the Bundesliga. All right, next club here. Again, I've got five clubs. So this is number two, Barcelona. Now let's talk about it before we give like our our, our crisis or panic meter rating. You know, I'll just say ever since they left, or I should say, ever since Neymar left for PSG. It was like a virus was injected into this club that has slowly mm-hmm. like deteriorated and decayed all of their logical thinking. You know, they just <laughs> they bought so many. They bought Coutinho. They bought all these pricey players. They bought uh, Griezmann and then loaned him back to Atletico. Like they've made so many dumb financial decisions. I'm, I'm just scratching. The, I haven't even named all of them. I'm just scratching the surface on that. To the point where they're like selling off chunks of their IP just to fund like their day to day operations. Yeah. They are one of those teams that is grasping. For the, for the Super League to be able to just exist going forward. Now, they won La Liga last year. So, like, again, they, right. it's like they've had some success. So, what's your thoughts on Barcelona? So, I mean, they're, they're playing, they're get, getting ready to play Napoli, but it just hasn't gone super well for them. Um, it looked like they were figuring things out on the field last year, you know, in the sense, you know, Gabi, Pedri, Torres, you're getting this new generation to replace your Busquets and your PKs and your Messi's and all that. And, not so much. I mean, some of that is injuries. You know, Gavi's knee injury, I feel like, was the big thing that has just waylaid this season for them uh, because it's just had knock-on effects both up top and in the back. There's no, so there's no Busquets type to hold it together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think it's up top first, as you talked about, the money issues. You know, Xavi has said he doesn't feel respected. He doesn't feel appreciated. And this is Xavi you're talking about. Like, if you're the front office and you can't appreciate a club legend... You've got issues there. And I know they've had turnover with uh, Cruyff and um, Alemani left last summer and Deco came in and apparently doesn't get along. So I feel like all, but it's all just issues that eventually have kind of manifested themselves on the field once you don't have your Messi's and Busquets and Neymar's and whoever to kind of paper over that. So I feel like it's a big picture thing first. And then on the field, they're just not running quite as hot as last year. I mean, their defense was legendarily good from a goals allowed standpoint last At year. Normally were, good. Like it was right? like a complete outlier too, it seemed yeah. like. Yeah, it was. It it was blowing past their projections and what all the underlying numbers suggested. So, you know, they're not terrible this season, but they're not Barcelona either. You combine that with Real Madrid being all right, uh, Girona coming, you know, 
out of nowhere or Man City's pockets or whatever you want to yep. say to get up into the top five. That's that's an issue as well. Uh, so they've given up more goals. Some of that's variance, but they're just not as good defensively. Lewandowski's looking 35. Uh, that issue there. There's just kind of, it's a little of everything, but I really just feel like it starts at the top for Barcelona. All right. Let's do it. Panic meter for Barcelona. Again, like rest of this year, next year, just kind of going forward. This one's definitely a little more long-term than short-term, but I would say like a seven. I had a six. Six and a half, seven is where I was going, yeah. Yeah, six and a half is probably right because yeah. they keep pulling these levers, quote-unquote, that they call them right. where they just get these Right, they've got to run out of levers. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, I, I, you know, it does feel like more and more like the tide keeps turning toward there's going to be some sort of Super League type thing happening in the future yeah. where, you know, initially it was just so uh, unanimously rejected by, you know, basically everybody but it does kind of seem like the gap between the haves and the have-nots is growing and growing and growing it, 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 something's going to have to happen i don't know if it's exactly going to be what the super league originally was was set out to do but that's the only reason that i say like they're going to be in that and if they get that money then they'll probably be fine but they are just they've just been run incredibly incredibly poorly financially so that's the only yep. concern um and so yeah i have a six like do i you know could they could they win La Liga next year? Sure. I mean, the, the issue with them, I guess, though, is that Real, I mean, they, they, Bellingham has been unbelievable. It looks like they're getting Mbappe next year. Their mid, Real's midfield is already awesome. They're building this, like, kind of young team that's going to compete for the next, whatever, yeah. five or so years if they do with just these elite, elite stars right. that they're just kind of, like, lapping Barcelona right now. And dealing with tons of injuries also. It's not like mm-hmm. everything's going right for Real Madrid. Like, they could easily... They're missing defenders. They're, miss, they're missing pieces all over the place. So things are still going well on the field for them, despite the challenges they have off the field. And they just look much better poised to continue that over the next you know, five years or so. Yeah. All right. Next one. Let's do, let's do, I got two English clubs in here. Let's do Chelsea right. first. So Chelsea sitting at 10th in the table after finishing 12th last year. Clearly, again, I don't, they, they've won a couple games here. And I, you know, I tweeted over the weekend after they, got the draw against City, which was a nice result for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they, I don't I think they played pretty well actually right, in that okay. game too. Um I, I tweeted I'm I'm just not buying into this being like a turning point into in, in this Chelsea project. And I got some people being like, oh look at their last you know the last couple of games they beat you know they beat Villa in the cup. They beat Palace. I just they're just a believe it when I when I see it kind of club. I'm just, I just think they're such a mess because they've bought so many players right. and they've bought so many young guys that are that are kind of all competing for the same areas but they also have these huge gaps in their squad that they still need a striker i still think their center back situation is kind of a mess like goalkeeper still a little bit weird even though the young guy they've got from mls has been good that's so yeah yeah so where are you at on chelsea it's weird whenever i watch them i'm like oh yeah they did buy enzo fernandez they did buy saicedo you know because they've kind of gone invisible if they were so good uh, brighton ecuador argentina etc over the last couple of years i mean the good news for chelsea is they're scoring more goals than last season mm-hmm. when Every time I look at this, they scored 38 goals last year. <laughs> like Chelsea scored 38 goals last season. Um, the bad news is they're also conceding more. They're about six shy of last year's total, and we're only two thirds of the way through the season. Um, but it's it's similar to what you said. Like on the field, I just don't see the you know identity, cohesion, whatever you want to call that, with getting all these pieces there because they have pieces for the most part. I mean, you're even getting good minutes out of Raheem Sterling, who is you know Premier League wanderer. He's been their best attacker, which is good in some ways and not in others. So that should be don't... that shouldn't be Chelsea's best attacker. Come on, right? It, it should not be. It should not be, uh, especially point. with the money they spent. I mean, granted, right. and to their on credit, everybody. like to, cre- to to give them some, some, I guess I don't know, some 
uh, alleviate the stress, I guess. They did buy Nkunku, who got immediately hurt, who would mm-hmm. probably be their best attacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, there's that. But that's kind of just throwing money, throwing players at the problem. Um, I like Pochettino. I think he's, you know, whatever, a good manager. And it's just, can he get on the same page? This is a little similar to Barcelona, not in the sense that there's a crisis in the front office, but it's just, I feel like the front office trickle-down effect is is very obvious. So they're throwing tons of money at it. They have lots of players. It doesn't cohere. Even Pochettino has to figure out what to do with it. So I think if I put a number on it, it's like a five for Chelsea. You know, it's just kind of like, I'm not, terribly concerned because they have the money and the players to potentially do something, but it just doesn't seem like they figured out what they're actually doing yet. I I have it as a as a five and a half, six. I'm maybe a little bit more concerned than you are, only because of the like the financial fair play stuff. Like they are right. actually going to be in a little bit of trouble here if they don't make Champions League coming up because they need That's that true. money to not have to sell because they've been talking about already selling Connor Gallagher, which is a homegrown guy who actually has been pretty good for them. Yeah, he's been all right. And you know, they're already, you mentioned Enzo and Caicedo that they they bought uh, Lavia in the, in the summer as well. Mm-hmm. They bought all the, they're, they're actually, but they're actually wildly thin in the midfield. Like they don't have that. They recalled, yeah. um, they recalled this, uh, the, this young Italian midfielder who I like from, uh, whose name is uh, Caicedo, I believe is his last name, mm-hmm. from Inter, who was on loan at Leicester because they just didn't have enough bodies in the midfield and they had to take somebody back, and they did, probably didn't have the money to you know, potentially buy somebody or bring somebody else in on loan. So that does concern me. The financial part of this, like if they don't start winning and actually making more revenue, like they have these like eight-year-long contracts that they're going to have to they're going to have to answer and maybe not be able to spend as much to get themselves out of the situation and be stuck with a lot of the players on high wages that they have who aren't performing, who aren't very good. So they have to kind of start winning now, really, or at least at the at the latest next season for them to not kind of get in trouble and I'm not saying Everton route about getting a financial, you know, or a points deduction, but like they're kind of in jeopardy of having to deal with, you know, whether it be transfer bans or spending limits and all that stuff, because, you know, they've, they spent just an insane amount of money and the way that they've done it accounting wise, I think I make sense on paper, but that was all with the understanding that they were going to win and, you know, advance in Europe and get that money and they're not getting that money. Yep. Yeah. It's the big question of, is it all going to catch up? Financial fair play. I, it both is kind of that cloud hanging over and it's also a believe it when I see it type of thing. But the fact that they actually did something to Everton, at least. You know, maybe it's easy to do it to Everton, and, though, right? It's easy right, to do it. Right. It's, it's hard to do it against City and Chelsea. It's easy. Right. Oh, Everton, just throw them a 10-point deduction. Right. Come on. So it's kind of like, maybe I'll believe it a little bit more now, but it's still going to be until there's you know, actual whatever point deductions, financial penalties, then to a big club, then I'm not going to believe it's going to happen. Yeah. All right, let's do another uh, another English team. And these two, I think we can compare to each other as well. Yep. Manchester United. Now, United have actually had a pretty decent uptick here. Like, they've creeped their way up to six in the table. They're five points off a Champions League spot. Their issue is they... I still don't really like their roster. I think they've spent mm-hmm. just ungodly amounts of money on on kind of average players that are now being paid a ton. And, you know, I I, I think their squad is kind of old, too. I mean, Varane, Casemiro, like, they bought these guys. And you're like, all right, good, veterans. Like, they're, they're guys that plug and play. But with the amount of money that they've spent, you'd think that they would be closer to City than they are to, you know, I don't know, Brighton right now. So what do you think about Manchester United? Yeah, I mean, I feel, when I started thinking about this, I was like, I feel like they're in much better shape because, yeah, they're on the uptick. But just looking at their numbers, like they're scoring less than last year and they're giving up more goals. Like those are both obviously bad things. Uh, and their underlying numbers are, so their expected goal difference this season, if you strip penalties out, is minus three, which is 12th in the table. Like, that's not good. Like, Everton is plus seven. 
Everton's back, so come on now. Yeah, that's right. XG uh, monsters. Let's go. Yeah, they really are. They're winning the XG battles. So, you know, I seem to like Ten Hag, and he seems to say the right things and seems to have this master plan, but it hasn't all come out. I mean, they have some good youth with uh, Garnacho, with Hoyland. There's some promise there on the end. I think the most optimistic thing is kind of big picture. You know, Jim Ratcliffe is coming in and buying at least a chunk of the club and supposedly being uh, more you know, day-to-day involved than the Glazers, which really isn't saying anything. But basically treating this like an actual soccer team and you care about on-the-field results rather than just the balance sheet, like that's the best big picture sign, I think, for United, that mm-hmm. they may actually, whatever, try to win in different ways. So that makes me more optimistic. The on-the-field stuff, though, I feel like they're in a worse spot than, say, Chelsea right now, just given the numbers. And I know they've gotten the results lately, but you know the underlying stuff from you know, wins against uh, Luton and everybody else lately, not that great. They got a lot of one-goal wins this year. That is not something that you can generally sustain. So I feel like they're still running a little bit hot to be that high on the table. So optimistic off the field, not so much on the field right now. I mean, Sancho, Anthony, Casemiro, Onana, Mount, Varane, even going a ways back like Juan Bissaka. These are guys they spent a ton of money on. And I'm just like, I don't even know if any of you, I mean, my, some of them I know aren't good. I mean, Sancho's on loan at BVB. Anthony's, ah, he's in and out. Uh, Mount's been hurt. Varane is just not the guy we saw at Real Madrid. And you're kind of like, was he actually just, you know, the guy next to Sergio Ramos more than he was right. some great defensive player? I'm, it's probably being a little harsh, but still, you know, I, I just, <laughs> I just don't like their squad. That's the thing. But at least, yeah. like, they might have some room to play with. You mentioned with Radcliffe coming in, like, actually there being a plan. Because that's the thing about United. It just doesn't feel like there's an identity to this club anymore. Where, like, back in the day, obviously, you go back to Sir Alex. But, like, they this was this was a club that had a clear identity and knew how they wanted to play and wanted to impress the fans, won a bunch of trophies. And they've just been kind of, like, in this weird zone. And maybe this is why, you know, as we'll do our, our, our panic meter rankings or ratings, I'm probably less panicky on them, but it's because they, they've been so dull for so long that I, it's it's almost like I don't even I don't even know what my expectations for them anymore. So right. I have them as a five, maybe a four, but probably a five. So lower, a little lower than Chelsea, um, just because like I, I I do like Ten Hag as you mentioned. Like I just don't, I don't know if he's the guy to turn it around though because I just think it's still just such of a mess of a situation. Yeah, I came in with a five for them. Also, it's kind of a different five than Chelsea. You know, again, looking more forward, we're talking next three five years probably four or down a notch or two. Uh, maybe it, and go the other way if it's on field. And I pulled up the numbers. United has 12 one-goal wins this season. It's four <laughs> more than any other club, which, you know, you can say what you want about the United mentality and all that, but it's just not a super sustainable way of winning games when you're pulling out all these late games and winning by a goal. What happens first? They legitimately compete for a Premier League title under Ten Hag or he gets sacked? Oh, he'll get sacked. Yeah, yeah I agree. Especially, I think he's I think a good with- coach. Yeah, I do too. But a new ownership coming in, you know, sort of. I think, you know, they're always looking to place your stamp, and not just ownership, but also revamping the front office. And, you know, everyone wants to find the right person and do it kind of their own way. So, yeah, I think you can get sacked before they win a title for sure. All right. Last one here. We'll go to Italy and my, uh, little, at least a league near and dear to my heart. But not guys. a club. Not a club. Uh, Juventus. <laughs> Juventus were, you know, you could argue, you know, in the, late 2010s, mid to late 2010s, when they were just ripping off what was eight straight Serie A titles, they made a couple of Champions League finals, that they were like the best run club in Europe, you know, just mm-hmm. for what the money that they had versus right. like what the results Milo, were on the sell pitch. High. Yeah, I mean, the Pogba, exactly. I mean, it was incredible. They, they get them for free. They sell them for 100 mil to, to Man United, but their biggest mistake was then they, they brought him back and he's been hurt and now he's suspended and it just seems like they have made 
bad decision after bad decision. And they also had the, the legal trouble last year with the, like, their financial books. They were basically cooking the books to show that they were selling guys for more than they actually were to help improve their financial fair play situation. They got kicked out of Europe. They got a points deduction. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like they, they're like Max Allegri, their manager, it just feels like that's a has-been type thing. Like that's not the future mm. of their club. That's the past. Like that's just you're going back to something that you're familiar with as opposed to trying to adapt and be better in the future. So I... <laughs> They're, again, this is a club that's second in Serie A right now. They're going to be right. in the Champions League next year, but it's really just like what they, what we expect of them, like to be winning titles and competing for Champions Leagues, and they're nowhere near that right now. So, what do you think? I mean, the recent results, the winless in four straight league games, mm-hmm. but you know, they could have, should have won almost all those. You know, they drew Verona two two over the weekend. Had oh yeah, 1. I bet 9. on you guys though. Good times. Yeah, no, there you go. One point nine expected there. goals to point six, so that won't help you uh, feel any better there. Same in the last student essay, they you know, outplayed them. By a pretty good margin. You lost to Inter, you know, 1-0, whatever. Everyone's going to lose to Inter. I feel like if you spread these four results out over the course of the season, you know, it's it's just not a big deal. It's just kind of the way it goes. Some things don't go your way. But of course, when you lump them all together, uh, you've got issues. And I don't know. Max Allegri said he thinks it's psychological with the players, you know, that they were starting to overlook some easier opponents, something along those lines. I don't know. To me, that sounds kind of like coach speak for, you know, we're just not finishing in some ways. So not really that concerned. All Juve's numbers still have them pretty solidly, the second best team in Italy behind Inter, which is just having a great season. So not really that concerned. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're, I mean, they're still pretty clearly a top two, three club from a you know, business sense. You know, it's, it's Inter, it's Milan, it's Juve. They're pretty clearly the top three in Italy. So they're not really going anywhere from that perspective. Like, you know, Barcelona might be getting, uh, you know, Real Madrid going to try to leave them the dust, that sort of thing. Yeah, the, the issue is the Inter are just head and shoulders better than them. They've just they've, right. it's kind of like it's kind of like the what we talked about with yeah. Barcelona and Real Madrid. It's like Inter yeah, are maybe. so yeah. well run that, uh, and they they took Morata, one of the directors, is now kind of under their you know running running the show there. And Inter mm-hmm. have kind of really never been the same. And they're they're going to be fine. Like I think they're they're going to be a, a perennial Champions League team. But it's like, can they ever? How soon can they reach the highs that they used to? where, you know, they're going deep and making deep Champions yeah. League runs and having some of the best players in the world. Because I also look at their squad, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's that great. Right, it's it's not, okay. I was doing the same thing. Just looking through to make sure, you know, I'm not missing something from injuries or whatever. I'm like, yeah, this, isn't, this is not a, the Juventus that we're you know, used to seeing from that great run they had in the last decade. Yeah, I like I like Vlahovic more than most, the striker. I think he had yeah. like a weird year last year, and the whole team had a weird year last year. But he, he is very good. And if I was a team, and they really needed to sell, I would buy low on him because I think he's a fan, fantastic player. Um, all right, Juve, I guess let's do our meter ranking and then and then we'll wrap this thing up. I'm at a four for Juve. Not super concerned. I mean, there are some issues, but I don't think they've... Maybe I'm just not seeing some of the off-the-field ones as clearly, but I don't think they've manifested themselves through the whole organization the way I have other places yet. They're kind of another club that needs the Super League a little bit, though. They do... like They're not super mm-hmm. cash flow uh, heavy, yeah. I guess, and and... I, I, they've certainly been one of the, the Super League teams and you know I think they they realized they could probably make more money in that way and lap a lot of the other teams in Italy but hopefully that for, for all of our sakes that doesn't happen alright before we get to the Champions League stuff which is let's rate these five teams in terms of like who you think gets back to the top top like competing for Champions League soon I think we both have Bayern won right yeah that's pretty clear good. like you said they could win the trouble next year and everything's fine who's two Chelsea <laughs> I guess I don't know. But it Chelsea feels United. so far away, though, doesn't it? I know, right? There's obviously a big gap between one and two. I guess yeah. Chelsea and United, I think, are pretty close. I don't know. I go with Chelsea just because they have, I think, a pretty 
clear high caliber manager and they have the players. They just haven't put all the pieces together and there's the big asterisk of a front office. But yeah, so I guess Chelsea too, even though it's not close to number one. I have them too as well. I don't know that I feel great about it, but I have them too. And I have United three. So I, I that, that probably is just about money. I think that's really all this is. Both these clubs certainly, yeah, it, you know, absolutely. at least there's future yeah. income. Like they are going to make a lot of money from broadcasting. Yeah, it's stability in that sense. You've got the money coming in. Whereas you mentioned, you know, Juve doesn't have the money. Barcelona seems to have the money, but like I said, we don't know how. So it's just kind of a stability thing. The ceiling maybe isn't quite as high as a Juve or Barcelona if they figure things out, but the floor is much higher than it is there. Yeah. All right. And then who wrap it up? Who's four and five? I think Juve four, Barcelona five. Again, I think the floor for Barcelona is just much lower than the other clubs, given the financial issues, uh, standing in the league, et cetera. I had Barcelona four and Juve five, so I just I flip flopped. And my only reasoning was because like Barcelona is still they're still this brand name of Barcelona. Like I think that right. brings more to the table than Juve does. That's true. I also think this the La Liga they're still like this. La Liga I think still has some of the cash shape. Like. You, People think of that league highly, probably more highly than they, than they do Serie A. I think Serie A for many years, as much as I love it, has kind of been like this weird dying league and people, mm-hmm. investors are trying to save it. But it's just, I don't know, it feels like the league that is the furthest away from what they used to be or what they should be or what their potential potentially is. And I think that, I think that hurts Juve long term. So I have Barcelona. So I, I Bayern 1, Chelsea, United, I think we all have the same. You have Juve 4. Barca 5, I have Barca 4, UV 5. So, yeah. all right, tell us if we're wrong. I don't know. It's just like a fun exercise I was thinking about when we were looking at, you know, the Byron thing and how bad it could be potentially for them compared to some of these other big clubs that are not where they where their supporters want them to be. All right, Paul, let's move on to the Champions League. We talked last week about what the... Uh, what the overall odds were last week, Man City, just to give everybody a glimpse, was plus 185 to win it. They've gone down their bet, wor- worse odds, I guess, now, but better uh, for them. Plus 145. Real Madrid is now the second favorite. Last week it was Bayern at uh, plus 440. Now Real Madrid is plus 490 as the second favorite. Arsenal has stayed the same at plus 600. Bayern has moved all the way from plus 440 to plus 800. Um, Inter has gone from plus 1800 to plus 1600, even though they haven't played a game. Um, so anything kind of there that catches your eye? I think I think we were a little bit ahead of the fade Bayern thing. They didn't seem like they were the second yeah. favorite here. No, I mean, Real Madrid is, they're just there, you know? I have a plus 600 future on them that I kind of, it was one of those, I'm just going to do this because it's Real Madrid and it's Champions League. Um, they're just there, and they always will be. You know, if City slips up and things go right for Madrid, they get healthy, et cetera. But yeah, other than that, nothing too surprising. Bayern kind of, I mean, we didn't expect Bayern to lose. But it kind of lines up more with where we had them uh, going into last week. What was, before we get to the matchup this week, what was your biggest takeaway from last week? Uh, biggest takeaway from last week. I mean, it's kind of obvious, but like City is still City. You know, they still get it done. They still have the weapons. They still kind of find ways to, to do what they got to do. So it's, you know, just as they continue to get healthy with the Bruyne and Holland, get them back, they are kind of who we thought they were and expected them to be. So. They can still do it on a cold, you know, Tuesday night in Copenhagen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The PSG two no win over Sociedad. I I didn't, you know, I think that's kind of what we expected. I hit that mm-hmm. bet, which was great. I don't doesn't really prove anything pro or against PSG. We talked about Bayern already. You mentioned Man City. I'll just say like Leipzig let me down, man. I like they. There's multiple times they should have scored a goal in that game. I had yeah. both teams to score. Uh, the, and the Real Madrid double chance. I did. I think I mentioned Bra- Brahim Diaz to anytime goal scorer, which is like plus two forty. So. If you have that one, congrats to you. But Leipzig should have scored in that game. They really let me down. That was my biggest takeaway. Like those guys, they just they they 
they they tried, but they couldn't get me over the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, whatever. It's Real Madrid Champions League Devil matches. What can you do? It is what it is. All right, so let's look at some of the matchups this weekend. And this is probably the biggest one. Uh, I mean, you can make an argument for Napoli Barcelona later, but the two of our two. Speaking of down clubs, Napoli might be looking for a new manager soon. <laughs> They're third yeah. one of the season, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll start with Inter and Atletico. Inter to this; these are two advance. Inter is minus one seventy. Atletico plus one thirty eight in this specific game. Inter minus one thirty five. The draw is plus two fifty. And Atletico, man, plus four twenty. You don't see Atletico plus four twenty very often. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Alvaro Morata will be available for Atletico, which is pretty big. I don't know how good he'll be, but he'll he he had a what looked like a serious knee injury like a week or so ago. Yeah. And he's now back into the squad. So where you sit on this one? Because, I mean, this is, I think we all like Inter, but Atletico, you speak of like the Real Madrid devil magic, like Atletico in the Champions League too. They yeah. just, they grind out results. This one kind of has me a little bit nervous, Paul. A little bit. You know, Atletico's not quite the same. This is not a, the defensive type of Atletico that we used to see. You know, when they won the title a few years ago, they were on fire in La Liga defensively. They've already given up more goals than they did all of that season. But they're scoring more as well. Morata, mm-hmm. Griezmann, haven't done a lot lately. Griezmann's been a little more in the creator role, but still, they have more of an attack, I guess, than we're used to seeing. This is not, again, they grind it out, beat you 1-0 on the counter type of Atletico team that we've been seeing. Um, and Inter, we've talked about They're great. They've won eight in a row, two losses all season. They've given up, what, 12 goals, I think, in Serie A. Uh, I think they're the second best team in Champions League right now. Uh, so, you, to me, it's kind of, the game screams under because it's Atletico, because it's Inter. Uh, so it's kind of figuring out, you know, what angle you want to take to try and find something like that from the betting side to what you're comfortable playing here. Yeah, you mentioned eight straight wins, 21 goals for four against. Um, they're, just, they're just a machine right now, man. Uh, I've, I've looked at a couple things. So Inter to win. So here's the thing. We like Inter. You mentioned second yeah. best team. I think I had them third last week. We both think they're awesome. I am a little nervous here, but like Inter are at home. Like if they're going to advance, they have to get a they have to win yeah. this game, right? right. Like they, they can't right. go, they can't be going back to Madrid down. So right. knowing what I know there, I'm looking for things around the, the Inter money line, right? So I think Inter to win one, two, or three to nil at plus one eighty five is not a terrible result. Cause I kind of feel like um in this game, you mentioned Atletico playing a little bit more open, scoring more goals, but I I do think this is a classic, like, could we just right. like classic Simeone, sit back, sit in the block. Just like give ourselves a chance at home in the second tie, like don't lose it in the first tie, kind of thing. Right. One so, nil, one nil yeah. loss for Atletico is they're probably okay with. They're probably okay with. Yeah, you just never know when, when it comes back when it's coming back home, even just with one goal, one goal down. Um, the only thing is, Inter are really good at breaking down low blocks. Like they're not. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. Man, I, as I said, their midfield Barella has been really good. Chalinoglu, um, I love. Their, I love their wing backs. We talked about their strikers in Latara Martinez um, and Thuram, who has just been an unbelievable free signing. So. I do like that. I do like the value of plus 185 there. Inter to score over one and a half goals, I think is, is plus money. It's plus 102. I don't think that's terrible as well because say Atletico get a goal somehow. Mm-hmm. I still think if you still want to say Inter are going to win the game and they can still win it 2 nothing in that. So that's something I'm looking at. And the other one that I really like is just the Inter money line in under four and a half minus 114. I don't yeah. think they're going to be, I don't, it's going to be a three, in my opinion, it's not going to be a three, two game. Paul, you could probably speak about this more than I can. Like that first leg, is really when teams are very cautious and like a lot of unders hit in, in those as yep. well. So do I think five goals are going to be scored in this game? Probably not. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, you want to play inner straight up, just minus 130 to win the game. It's not terrible. Obviously, you want to get uh, a little more uh, bang for your buck or something. It's figuring out what to, to parlay with. I like the one, two, or three to nil one. I was looking at inter win and both teams to score no 
which builds plus 165. So, you know, you lose the 4-0 option, but I, <laughs> I feel pretty good about really, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay sacrificing that for a, a little a few more cents on the price there. Yeah. Um I, any like just in the advance, like anything with Atletico there, like you're just staying away from that, right? I mean, again, Atletico plus one thirty eight, like you don't usually see that this early on in the knockout yeah. stages, and they are dangerous. But I, I, I don't know. I think both of us are kind of just like this is Inter or bust. I do too. I think it, this one looks great on paper, but I think the gap is real. Inter is just that much better. So yeah, I'm not looking to play Atletico to get out of this one. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. It's a, hopefully, we don't jinx Inter with all the love that we've been throwing at them the last two pods. All right, next one. This is this is maybe the most interesting matchup, even though it's not like you know two massive clubs. But PSV yeah. versus Dortmund. PSV is plus one hundred two to advance. Dortmund, the slight favorite at minus one twenty four in the game. This is at PSV, so this is in, in the Netherlands. They are plus one fifteen to win. The draw is plus two sixty, and Dortmund is plus two twenty. A lot of people, and just doing my research on this, Paul. And I'm not going to sit here and claim to have watched a ton of PSV, although they should be the American team because they have, yeah. you know, Tillman, they've got Pepe, they've got Sergino Dest, all playing really well. They're running away with the Dutch league title too, which is which is pretty great to see for for our boys. But a lot of people like PSV here, and I can't tell if that's like a sharp play or if it's just like I'm falling into a trap because it's still Dortmund. Like Dortmund's still right. a, like a, the bigger club, and they've still got names. Obviously, they just got Sancho on loan. So where do you kind of sit here? Because I think this is a tricky one. I feel like the Dutch teams are always some of the hardest to handicap, period. Because, I mean, look, PSV has a plus 60 goal difference in 22 games this season. They've scored 70 and only given up 10. And they're 10 points clear in the league. So that's that's crazy. But the question is always, you know, how do they do against these you know, better teams, teams from top leagues? There's no Dutch teams made the quarters since Ajax got to the what, semis and lost to Tottenham in 2019. So... I was looking at, you know, PSV got smoked by Arsenal 4-0 in the group stage mm-hmm. in London. They drew 1-1 on match day six, but neither team had anything to play for. So you can kind of throw that out. But PSV did perform fairly well. They got two wins and two draws against Sevilla and uh, Lens. Two pretty mad teams, though. Games. I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not like good, but yeah. they're at least, whatever, from bigger leagues. So that's something. Dortmund, I feel, you know, they got out of a tough group. They had a Milan, they had a Newcastle. Sancho's back. He's... Looks pretty good. He hasn't scored yet, but looked pretty good on the whole. Uh, and the, you know what? The top four Bundesliga team kind of, they're not running super well, but uh, a little bit better than average. And they've got the pieces. So, yeah, I kind of want to go against the trend and go for Dortmund in this, but I don't really have enough faith in either team to pick a side on this. I'm probably looking at goals one way or the other here. You know, it's, it's like minus 144 for over two and a half, plus 176 over three and a half. You want to get a little crazy. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of kind of a cliche, you know, Dutch teams can't defend and Dortmund just goes for it and leaves the back open for both those things. But I kind of feel like that's the way this is going to be. PSV is at home, so they have to go for this a little bit more here. You don't mm-hmm. want to go to the yellow wall and have to get a result. So I feel like this, this kind of screams over one way or the other here. Yeah, I was looking at both teams to score because yeah. I I, I, it's minus 180, though. There's really no value there. And even if you go both teams to score over two and a half, you know, you're it's well, minus 115. Minus, yeah. That's not that's not terrible because then you don't have to pick a side. You just say, hey, there's probably going to be goals in this game. I'm with you. My first my first thing was to go, okay, it's still Dortmund, and if nobody's on Dortmund, like I kind of like that side of like being on Dortmund because they just they, this is kind of the situations where they thrive in. They've had a little bit of a of a uptick here. They've won a few games in a row, although they've been against some 
some lackluster competition. The only thing, too, is like Dortmund won their group as well, but that was kind of incredibly fluky. Like, I don't think anyone thought that they were the best team in that group. Um, You know, that was the group. I'm just bringing it up right now. Hold on. That was the group with PSG um, Milan, Newcastle. Yeah. And, you know, they 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 won it with 11, you know, eight. Right. The matchups also worked out on the last day. So, you know, yep. To get that drawn when the group wasn't a big deal. It's not like they had some gaudy standpoint. goal differential either. They were just kind of it. Just they they had a couple of results go their way. I man, I I think I think you're right. I think the side is kind of a stay away from me. Like I, you mentioned that, that I think the, the important thing is that PSV being at home, like they need to get, probably get a result here more than Dortmund does. So do I want to really pick Dortmund in this game? No. I think if I'm going to play this, like you said, it's, there's probably going to be goals. You know, maybe both teams to score. Parlay that with the over two and a half, maybe the over three and a half if you really want to get into the plus money territory. And that's probably your best bet. Yep, I agree. All right, moving on. This is the games on Wednesday. Let's start with let's start with the more interesting one. And, you know, two teams that are kind of in weird spots. Like you mentioned, we were talking about teams that were down or, you know, big clubs that, you know, Christ, our crisis rankings, whether we, we should put Napoli in there. I said no only because I just like Napoli's not a historic big club. Right. Um, even though they did win Serie A last year and they've been kind of a fun team to watch for, for the last few years. But they look, and as as we record this, we're recording this like, you know, afternoon on Monday, they look like they're going to appoint a new manager and get rid of <laughs> um, their current manager, who is their second manager of the season. They are, this is one of the worst title defenses in the history of Italy, Paul. Like they, they won the <laughs> league last year. I think they're sitting in ninth now. Yeah. They just, they can't get it together. Um, I, Oshiman, he was off for AFCON, but he hasn't been the same player this year at all. And I have, I've, I've read an article today on The Athletic about people asking whether or not he was like a one-season wonder in some ways. It's gotten really, really bad there. But then you yeah. look at Barcelona and you go, all the things we talked about earlier in the pod, Barcelona, things also aren't going super well for them. Um, do you have, uh, let me just give the odds here and I'll ask you what you have a lean for. So Napoli at home, I'm sorry, Napoli, this is to advance, plus 140, Barcelona minus 172. In this game, which is in Naples, Napoli, uh, to win is plus 165. The draw is plus 240. And Barcelona is plus 160. So, man, I, I think you can go anywhere with this. I think this is one of the hardest handicaps I've ever maybe even thought about just because I have no idea what, what's going to happen with either of these clubs. So I'll let you start, Paul. Go ahead. That play is wild. Cause last year, they, they both played really well and ran super hot, which is why they you know, won La Liga, or La Liga, Serie A by like 700 points. This year, they're third in Serie A in expected goal difference. You know, they're not in the inter Juve class, but they're right with hanging around like Atalanta, Roma, Milan, etc. But it has been such a wheels falling off type of season for them that, yeah, that's just, that's just where they're at. Uh, we talked about Barcelona. This game, nothing would surprise me really in this game. And, and I mean nothing. Like 4-0 either way, sure. <laughs> like 0-0, everyone's fine to go back to Barcelona with nothing? Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I don't really want any part of this game. If like you're forcing me to do something, I'd probably play Napoli at plus 165 just because I just think anything's possible here and you get a decent price on it. But yeah, I don't have a feel for this one at all just because both these teams are in different kinds of messes in just about every way. I So last week we were, we were at odds on a couple of games and this, I guess, is going to be our first one. I, I kind of like Barcelona here. Yeah. I, we talked about this, I think, off the air about like, okay, so Napoli, they have a new manager. Is that, a, that actually could be a good thing, though? Like, they, maybe. They've been, yeah. they've, been, they've, been, they've been even worse with the second manager. So, like, maybe they get a third manager bounce. Who knows? But the only thing is, like, if he's taken over today, they play in two days. Like, what's, what, that's insane. <laughs> like, what's he going to, what's he going to be able to implement? What's right. he going to be able to change? So, I don't know, like, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't love Barca here, but I, here's, here's the bet that I do like Barca double chance, 
over one and a half. I think there potentially could be goals in this game. I think Barca could easily score two of them themselves. And I think Barca is the better team. And I think Barca also, like, this is, they're not going to win La Liga. This is kind of like their big prize out there that they're still looking for. And I don't think they're going to win it by any means, that, that being the Champions League. But I do think, like, they don't want to go out in the round of 16 um, and, and, and fall short for another year in the Champions League. So I, I, I lean towards Barca double chance, so the winner of the draw, and the over one and a half, which is minus 120. Good luck to you. I want no part of this game at all. I, I get it. I get it. But listen, we got we got to put three bets down eventually yeah, for, our, for, for, our, for our best bets. So I guess yep. we'll see if that's one of them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Two, two, uh, you know, I, I don't I won't actively root for Barcelona really ever just because, you know, I don't, I, I like, especially against Napoli, like you like to see some of the smaller clubs yeah. like have success. We were rooting for Napoli last year when they were having that great season. Um, but I just I don't know. I don't see it, man. I just they, they, the vibes on that team are just all off. It seems like yeah. the players want out. Oshiman's probably gone this summer. It looks like. Um, maybe to PSG potentially if if they're looking to replace Mbappe. Uh, so I, I I just think the vibes are completely off in Napoli. Not that they're great in Barcelona, but I'll I I think they have more to play for. So there you yep. go. All right, last one here. This one another weird one. Maybe a little bit obvious, but we'll see. So Porto are taking on Arsenal. Porto this is to advance plus three thirty. Arsenal the heavy favorite at minus four fifty. Uh, in this game specifically, which is in Portugal, Porto is plus four fifty to win. The draw is plus two seventy, and Arsenal minus one fifty. Arsenal, by the way, last two games have won both by a combined score of 11-0. So they are in decent, decent form here, Paul. What are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, Porto is... This is not as good a Porto team as they were last year when they probably should have knocked Inter out. Not your dad, Porto. Yeah. Um, Porto's sitting third in Portugal. They're well behind Benfica in sporting. Not necessarily in points, but you know, goals and the underlying numbers all uh, much more against what Porto's done so far this year. Evan Nielsen's been pretty good lately. I think eight goals in the last seven games. So, you know, look okay. But Arsenal's the best defensive team in the Premier League. I mean, 22 goals in 25 games they've allowed and their expected goals numbers are even better. They give up the worst shots on the whole. So, I mean, this just feels like Arsenal's just going to grind it out. And like, we're not going to let Porto score at all. And, you know, we'll make one, two, whatever it might be and be extremely happy. I have a hard time seeing Porto get a goal. So, yeah, it's figuring out. Do you want to do, do you want to go the under? Do you want to take both teams to score no at minus one twenty six or so, something like that? But I, I something lo, a low scoring Arsenal win is the angle that I look at here. I don't hate that at all. I mean, the one let me just bring it up because I had it before and I lost it. Yeah, so if, if I, I love the to win one nil, two nil, or three nil as I mentioned before, but th- theirs is plus one ninety. I don't think this is one of those games where I kind of feel like Arsenal. Obviously, they're the better team. They are one of the best ball control teams in all of Europe. They're going to have a ton of the ball. I also don't think they're going to win 4-0. So if you think that they're going to control they just the game. Did. I, I, I know they did. I, but are they, are they going to win what? Are they going to, you know, they're averaging, what, five and a half goals a game in their last two games? Like, do we really think that's going to continue? <laughs> I know that's the better's fallacy, right, of betting maybe, for something maybe. not to continue. But, I come on. Like, and I, like, it is hard to play. In, like, Portugal's a hard place to play as well. Like, it's not easy. As I mentioned, they lost to Sporting, I think, in the Europa League last year in Portugal. Not necessarily apples to apples, but still, all right, it's something to look at. And I could see Arsenal just wanting to control this, not kind of get crazy, get a goal here, get a goal there, win 1-0, win 2-0, and get out of dodge and not really have to do much at home on the way on the other side. So if you want to do the 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, that's plus 190. But, you know, it's, it is always kind of scary when, like, that, that you're betting for the team at home to be shut out. Yeah. Now, I, if I'm trusting, it sounds, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm trusting one team defensively to go on the road and get a shutout this year in Arsenal. the top of Europe. It's probably Arsenal. I can't believe I'm saying it, but 
they've just been so good, so disciplined. Declan Rice has been everything it's needed to be and kind of holding the whole team together in front of the defense. So, yeah, I kind of trust them to go get the road shutout, as crazy as it sounds. What about this, Paul? Arsenal money line, under four and a half, minus 117. It's not that, bad. That, that probably allows you for Porto to score. Yeah. Right, you get a 3-1 or something, 2-1, you get those two in there. Yeah. I think you're building something around the yard. It's kind of surprising, you know, even just the Arsenal money line at minus 150, like, that's not a right. bad it, price. Yeah. If, you know, because you, you just assume they're going to want to, like, put this thing out of out of the way in the first leg so they don't have to really worry a ton about it in the second leg at home. But, right. you know, you never know. Those are famous last words. Yeah, it looks it looks wrong both directions. See the 150? You're like, oh, they're a pretty sizable road favorite, but it's Arsenal. And then you're like, wait, they're only minus 150 because they're the, whatever, second, third best team in Europe this year? And Porto, you know, has the tradition and, and relative success recently. But yeah, that's where that's where we are. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't like betting against Portuguese teams at home. But I think right. that's one of the that's one of the situations that we're going to have to do this week. All right, best bets uh, as we always do. We were both one and two last week. We did both hit plus money bets though, so at least it's not like a total total loss. But we're down, you know, fractions of a unit. But we'll bounce back this week. So Paul, I'll let you lead off. What do you got first? All right. Goals and PSV Dortmund. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of ways that it could go. If you want more risk, you just play like plus over three and a half, and plus 176. But I was going the direction that you threw out there. Over two and a half goals, both teams to score, minus 115. This gets you the 2-1 result either way if it comes to that. Uh, so yeah, minus 115, I'm okay going for over two and a half, both teams to score. I didn't originally have this in, in one of my three, but let's make it a family play. I'm going to put it in because I, okay. I, I do like, let's go. right. Like these two, the, I could see P because the other thing too is like PS, we didn't talk about this a ton, but the way PSB play, like they are very susceptible to counterattacking play. Right. They are, they like to play very fast and Dortmund on the other side with some of the attackers that they have, they're, they're very happy to play on the counter and, and nip a goal or two there. So I, I, man, I said this last week about Leipzig Real Madrid and I was wrong, but I just, I don't know how both teams don't score and how we don't get a, at least, yep. the, at least three goals in this game. So I'm going to, I'm going to follow you on that too. I think yeah. that's a good I mean, bet. To, for the American audience, like Serginho Dest is your right back, which kind of tells you all you need to know. You know, 60 yeah, some odd percent of his touches are in the attacking third. He's like or a not the attacking third, just, the attacking half. He's yeah. just letting dudes blow right past him. There you go. Yep. Um, so all right, that's going to be a family play for us. What's your second one? So I think I'm going back to enter. So it's, to me, it's the inter win, and it's figure out what you're going to play this with. Uh, I'm going to play this. I, I like your one. I was going to play this inter win, and both teams will score no at plus 165, but I like the one, two, three, nil better at plus 180. So yeah, enter one, nil, two, nil, three, nil, plus 180 is my second play. I I love that. I will have that on my own, but I'm also, it's not going to be my best bet. I'm going to take the inter money line and the under four and a half, which is minus 114. So you're getting somewhat close to even money. And you know, basically, I, I just I just don't see any universe in which there's five goals scored in this game, and I think Inter yeah. wins. So you're basically just trying to juice up the the money line a little bit. So Inter money line under four and a half, uh, and but but I will I will have the bet you just said on my own as well. Yeah, my last I was good. I had Arsenal win and both teams to score no. That comes to one fifty nine. I mean, and you said what Arsenal win and under four and a half gets to plus one ninety. No, Arsenal right. win under four and a half is minus one seventeen. Oh, the okay. Arsenal, Sorry. Arsenal to win one, two, or three nil is, is plus one ninety. Okay, all right. Um, I'm going to stick with what I had then. Um, Arsenal win both teams to score no plus one fifty nine, just because I think there's a chance you know Arsenal does hang four on them. You know, if Porto just kind of surrenders and goes in the fetal position and Arsenal start, starts racking up the goals. So yeah, Arsenal win both teams to score no, or you know Arsenal win to nil is what you'll find at some books should be in the same vicinity plus one fifty nine here. Do I do I 
bet Arsenal or do I bet Barcelona, Paul? This is this is where I'm at. Because originally well, I did not have the the PSV BVB bet in there, and I added yeah. that one in, so I have to drop one of these two. And you really kind of talked me out. I, I just didn't like your vibe around the Barcelona thing. So you know what? <laughs> I'm going to skip it, even though I will have that on my own. I, I will take Barcelona double chance in the over one and a half in the game at minus 120. But yeah, give me Arsenal to win in the under four and a half goals, which is basically the same bet that I have for the Inter game. Um, I just, I just, these, these first like ties, they're typically kind of cagey. They, they, teams play a little bit cautious. They're, we typically see a lot of yeah. unders. So I, I don't see, I don't see four one in this game, for example, to, right. to the Arsenal. Like maybe it's three one, but more likely than not, like Arsenal probably shut them out and win one nil or two nil. So give me the Arsenal money line. And the under four and a half at minus one seventeen. Although Paul, I like I, I almost like all of your bets better because you're getting plus money, even though you're taking a little <laughs> bit of a risk. I was gonna say I like I like that you get like three one out of uh, the under four and a half part on the Arsenal side. So that's not bad. But I'll trade that for getting a little bit better price than both teams to score now. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that that we've kind of hit the hour mark here. So we did tease like our Americans abroad segment. Though we talked a little bit about pools like at the top. Next week we're gonna come back. I think midweek, Paul. Because there's no champion. We have that gap between the Champions League, you know, first yep. legs and the second legs of the knockout stages. So we'll get a little bit more into the U.S., including like like what strikers are in form right now. You yeah. had an interest. Why don't you tease it? Just tease well, it for I, next week. I think that's the homework project, both for us and also listeners. The U.S. has three strike. I think the top three striker choices are Balogun, Pepe, and Sargent in some order. And I don't think it's as obvious as might seem, especially given the form of them all. So that's the homework is figure out, you know, what's your ranking? Which two are you going to take the Nations League in less than a month? Is kind of what they have to figure out. You could take all three, of course, but it seems more likely they would go with two of them. Uh, so that's the that's the tease for next week on that. Yeah, I love that, too. Um, because, you know, I was looking a little bit at, at Balogun's, like, you know, numbers, and it's been a little bit weird there, but Monaco kind of mm-hmm. play a different style. Like, I think he's still getting... Correct. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, some people are panicking. I'm not, they paid a lot of money for him, but I'm not sitting here panicking. Yep. And Sargent, man, he's been like I've I've always kind of liked him. I mean, it was just so weird when like Norwich were in the Premier League and he was playing like out on the right and having to basically defend the entire <laughs> time. So You're bad. like, this is this isn't how we want like our striker, our our one of our best strikers to develop is just playing defense for 90 minutes against you know, yeah. some of the best teams in the Premier League. So him being in the championship app is, is probably like the best thing for him. But yep. uh all right, homework assignment for next week. We'll be excited. I'm thinking midweek, we'll probably maybe like Wednesday sometime we'll do this, Paul. Yep. Um, and then we'll take a look as well um, at the at the club games, give some of our best bets for the weekend in the in the, uh, in the domestic leagues as well. So thanks, as always, to our guy, Paul Carr. Thanks to Stefan Anderson for producing this podcast. Best of luck to everyone's bets. And uh, do your homework, man. We'll catch you next week. Yep. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona. 1-888-789-789. 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit Gambling Helpline MA 
org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK in New York.